Welcome to the Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? We'll be joined by RotoWire's Jerry Donabedian. What a piece of that championship! Put it in here. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Let's get it started with PJ. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. This is PJ. Hope you had a successful week two. If not, that's why we're here to help you out with week three. Thanks again for checking us out. Again, some of the big storylines, quarterback injuries, some big ones in Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and also some changes in both New York teams. We're going to cover it all with rotowire.com's Jerry Donabedian coming up in minutes and some of the guys we like coming up in week three. First, though, want to share again some of those stats that inside the numbers, you know, these stats may or may not help you in fantasy, but uh, we're going to give them to you here. You make the best decision. Could help you out with some of those flex spots as well as you have out there as well. We are going to start off with a stat. I'm starting to like this more and more. This is the percentage of targeted pass yards for an offense that a receiver would receive in that game. So again, this is a little bit more than just the, the little dink and dunk stuff. How much of the team's offense is actually going to them, and are they going downfield with them? And pretty interesting, once again, a guy, a surprising name that's up there towards the top is Robbie Anderson of the New York Jets. 67% of the targeted pass yards in the Jets' offense went through him last week on uh, Monday Night Football against the Browns. So he's got a tough matchup against New England this week, no doubt about it. Uh, Historically, though, the Patriots have been vulnerable to pass yards. Obviously, with a third-string quarterback, it'll be a little more uh, difficult to uh, get that percentage there, but you know they're looking at Robbie Anderson's way, so he may be worth a flyer if he's available on the waiver wire for you. T.Y. Hilton continues a strong performance uh, this year. 63% of the targeted pass yards went to him in Week 2. He's got a very favorable matchup against the Falcons coming up this week. Terry McLaurin, the rookie for the Washington Redskins, 62% of the targeted pass yards went to him this past week. He's got a tougher matchup coming up in Week 3 against the Bears, but McLaurin looking like he is the true number one one in Washington. He's been playing a lot of snaps as well on the field. Very encouraging sign to see. So he was a popular ad on the waiver wire this week and he may pay dividends for you for the future. It's going to be a tough matchup though against the Bears for McLaurin in week three. Keenan Allen saw 59% of the targeted pass yards of the Chargers offense this past week. He's got a very favorable matchup against the Houston Texans secondary that is just not in great shape. So, again, Keenan Allen looked to have a big week this week. And Kenny Galladay of the Lions is on this list once again. Again, he's a valuable part of that uh, Detroit offense. They've got so many receivers and tight ends they can look for, but a encouraging number here if you're a Galladay owner, 50% of the targeted pass yards went to him. In the Week 2 matchup against the Chargers, they draw the Eagles this week, so we'll see if that continues for Kenny Galladay, but encouraging for him to see 50% of the targeted pass yards go his way this past week. The next stat I want to look at is for quarterbacks and how much their offensive line is giving them to throw the ball. Now, this one's a little trickier stat to judge because there are some positives here and also some fake positives. Uh, You're going to get what I'm talking about here in minutes here, but Baker Mayfield Uh, led the way. Their offensive line in Cleveland gave him 3.35 seconds to throw this past week against the Jets on Monday Night Football. Got a tougher defense to face in Aaron Donald and those Rams coming up this week, but if they do give him that much time, he could have another successful outing. Had a pretty good game passing on Monday night, so Baker Mayfield, again, the Cleveland Browns offensive line, giving him plenty of time to throw this past week. Kirk Cousins of the Vikings. Here's one of those fake positives here. 3.34 seconds, so he had plenty of time to throw against the Packers secondary last week, and he still made some poor decisions. Uh, He has a very favorable matchup, though, against the Raiders this week. Now, it'll be interesting to see 
which way that Vikings offense is going to go. If they're going to be more run-heavy this week against the Raiders or if they're going to continue to open things up. But he did have plenty of time to throw last week at 3.34 seconds. Okay, another false positive here. Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Dolphins. He had 3.16 seconds to throw the ball. And he threw three picks against the Patriots. So he's got the Cowboys coming up this week. Obviously, I am not advising anyone to play any Dolphins at all. But again, uh, that could be encouraging for the Cowboys that they can pass rush him this week. I I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, for example, too. He had the same time as Fitzpatrick at 3.16 seconds, and uh, that gave him some time to go downfield. And again, the Packers' offensive line, second week in a row, they have Rodgers among the leaders in uh, this seconds to throw. Uh, Fantastic for the Packers' offensive line. They look to keep that going against the Denver Broncos this week. And Phillip Rivers uh, rounds out the top five. 3.03 seconds he had to throw last week against the Lions. Lions, very favorable matchup for Rivers as they go against the Texans. Going to be tough with J.J. Watt and that defensive line, but uh, that secondary can be had, so Rivers looks to have a very favorable matchup against the Texans this week. And finally, some defenses that are really struggling, and this could really help you out uh, with some of these matchups. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals defense against the run. They're the worst in fantasy. They gave up the most to running backs in fantasy. And, in fact, they stacked the box the most against the 49ers last week, and it didn't work. They gave up 238 yards, two touchdowns against the Niners, again, giving up the most fantasy points to running backs. So we'll see if they're going to continue to stack the box or not, but it's not working. Uh, They got the matchup against the Bills this week, so Frank Gore could be a popular pick, as well as some of those other Bills running backs as well by committee, T.J. Yeldon. We'll see, uh, again, if Singletary's going to play or not. Uh, He's a little nicked up, but that could be a favorable matchup for Bills running backs against Cincinnati this this week. Also, Arizona, their defense, uh, they're, they're going to be on the field a lot because of the tempo, the offense, the air raid offense there. Uh, so again, they continue to stack the box in week two against the Ravens, 46%. That did not work. Lamar Jackson ran all over them, and uh, so did uh, Mark Ingram. So again, that looks to be a trend in Arizona. They're going to try to stack the box. But again, the Panthers this week, Christian McCaffrey, he could have a big game if they continue to do this because, uh, you know, with McCaffrey, you can swing him out, uh, catch a couple passes. He could have a huge game against Arizona this week. So I like that favorable matchup for Christian McCaffrey against that Arizona defense this week. You know you want advice. You know you want answers. You know you need a little help. Swallow that pride, young man. Swallow it. Send your sit or start questions into the zone on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And once again, joined by RotoWire.com's Jerry Donabedian. Well, Jerry, week two, it's going to be known for those injuries to star quarterbacks around the league. Yeah, I think week one was notable for all the all the rookie wide receivers and tight ends that did well and all the, the huge offensive performances. Uh, and then week two is will be remembered for all the quarterback injuries and benchings, kind of uh, some of that uglier football that we saw. And we'll start things off with the injury in Pittsburgh to Ben Roethlisberger again out for the year. Mason Rudolph now taking over. Jerry, do we dial back those expectations now for the Steelers' offensive players? Yeah, I think with with the pass catchers, you have to dial back the expectations. Uh, granted, they've got they had gotten off to such a bad start with Roethlisberger. Uh, that, that relative to that, I don't really think it can be worse. But relative to what we have seen, you know, the past five years in Pittsburgh, with that being one of the most prolific offenses and having a bunch of players that are great for fantasy, yeah, I think we have to dial back expectations from that. Uh, and you know, I'm, I am actually a little bit optimistic about Rudolph. Among all of these like guys who are stepping in, I think he's in one of the better situations. He's got you know Smith Schuster, James Conner, Jalen Samuels. 
Vance McDonald, uh, James Washington, who yep. actually could be interesting now. That's mm-hmm. the, the one that has a lot of buzz because Rudolph and Washington were great together during the preseason. Uh, so I think Washington McDonald, I think, could actually maybe not necessarily benefit from having Rudolph, but they're kind of in positions to step up and take a bigger part in the offense anyway. Uh, and we've already seen McDonald on Sunday and uh, then Washington in the preseason have that chemistry with Rudolph. And that Mason Rudolph, James Washington connection, that goes back all the way to Oklahoma State back in their college days. So I think that connection really is going to help out Washington's fantasy value here. So if you did draft him or uh, you've been stashing him on the bench, I think Washington's really going to flourish now in this role. Yeah, and I, I actually kind of thought that you know, just with the way Dante Moncrief was playing and then he got, he got benched in – the game Sunday, and then on the few snaps he did play, he had a dropped interception, uh, or a drop pass that was then bounced right into a defender's hand, uh, which certainly is not going to earn him the confidence of Mason Rudolph, who otherwise played well, uh, the interception not being his fault, and that lost to the Seahawks. Yeah, I think Washington is kind of ready to take over that role anyway and maybe have some success with Roethlisberger. Uh, and so, yeah, I would think that he might be less impacted by the downgraded quarterback but yeah, he played with Rudolph in college. He played with Rudolph in the preseason, and and not just played together, but had a ton of success. I mean, Washington was a great deep ball receiver at Oklahoma State, put up huge numbers there. Uh, and then this preseason, I think, was the leading receiver in the NFL. So, and also was good last preseason with Rudolph. So there's kind of year-after-year type of history there. And while we're on Pittsburgh, that backfield, we did touch a little bit on it. James Conner, he did get a little dinged up this week. I, I know some people are waiting for Jalen Samuels to take over there. Do you see that role maybe trending that way, maybe since they're going to have to focus on running the ball here with uh, Rudolph in there? Yeah, I think they are going to. I think we're going to see that they will run the ball more. They've been Their pass-run split has been one of the most skewed toward the pass for the past like three years. Uh, Connor was able to have success last year because he was getting literally all of the carries for most of the season and then also catching passes. But I think what we will see here is that they're going to commit to running the ball more uh, with a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe hoping that their defense can take a step forward, which is badly needed. That's probably been a bigger problem than the offense, actually, through two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think they're going to run a little more. I think that'll mean getting Samuels a little more involved, but I do think Connor is still going to be lead guy and uh, I think he's you know slow start but and he's picked up a little knee injury but he did he did say both Monday and then again Wednesday that he's going to be able to play in this game against the 49ers not quite sure it'll happen this week but I still think there's some big games ahead for him Uh, so certainly I'll be keeping him in my starting lineup as long as he's out there uh, and I think the I think the slow start will eventually be something we forget about in a few weeks from now. We'll shift our focus now over to New Orleans. And again, Drew Brees is going to be out six to eight weeks after having hand surgery. How is this offense going to get affected? Obviously, they got the big stars still in Kamara and Michael Thomas, but I think they're a little bit more affected than Pittsburgh is with this injury. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, obviously. Like I think the, that Brees have been playing much much better than Roethlisberger. Uh, and then what we've seen from Bridgewater has been less encouraging than what we've seen from Rudolph. So, yeah, I think this offense is the one where I'm actually worried about the players 
more. Uh, and, you know, I think Kamara will be, obviously, he's, you know, you're, still, you're not going to bench him. Uh, and he, he is catching shorter passes. So theoretically, maybe a bit less impacted by the loss than someone who's catching passes further down. You know, but he did nothing in that game against the Rams after Bridgewater came in. And if they aren't worried about Bridgewater beating them down the field the way that you have to worry about Drew Brees hitting those deep balls to Ted Ginn and Trey Quan Smith, then they can clamp down on Kamara and Michael Thomas on the shorter passes. Uh, and yeah, Bridgewater, I mean, he was bad on Sunday, and he was bad in the preseason. And he was really bad week 17 last year <laughs> when they had that that game where they uh, didn't need any of their starters, but the Panthers also rested starters. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a total, like it was basically a preseason game in December. Uh, so it's just, it's just been a while since, and I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot as a prospect and yeah. just the Vikings thought that, you know, they never really opened up the offense to like give him a chance to show what he could do. They were yeah. focused on running with Peterson. Uh, and I liked him, but I just think since the knee injury, we just haven't really seen the evidence that he's a decent quarterback. I think it's it's pretty pretty tough situation. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas and Kamara still are guys that are going to need to be in fantasy lineups, but the other guys there are pretty pretty much off the radar now. Is a wild card pickup for them Taysom Hill just because of this unknown factor? He can play quarterback. He can catch the ball. He can run. This is a far out stash, I know, but is he maybe someone to have on your radar here in the next coming weeks? Yeah, I think, you know, I think if I'm in like a 10 or 12 team league where I'm starting one quarterback, then it's, that's a little, little further than, um, I want to look, yeah. But definitely, and if you're in a super flex league or a league where you have to start two quarterbacks, absolutely. And we've we've seen the value of those rushing stats, right? So mm-hmm. even if he can't pass the ball, if he ends up starting at quarterback, he's going to put up some kind of production that could be useful for fantasy. I mean, I could just see a weird stat line where he has a couple receptions, he runs for 50 yards, and then he throws, you know, 100 yards. I mean, I could see some off-the-wall thing that, yeah, in a game standpoint, it might not mean anything, but for fantasy owners, it could be some decent production. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we could. I wouldn't be shocked even if uh, if Bridgewater struggles here. Maybe they don't make like an outright change to Hill, Yeah, but maybe they do give him more snaps. I definitely have the thought that, you know, they've taken Breeze off the field or, like, you split him out wide uh, to get Taysom Hill on the field in the red zone. So if they're willing to do that with Drew Breeze, which I think is not the smartest strategy, personally. But if they're doing it with Drew Breeze, you would certainly think they're going to do it with Teddy Bridgewater even more often, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, that was the one thing I'm like, maybe, you know, the far-out guy we might be thinking is Hill here. I know Latavius Murray, too, maybe in the backfield with Kamara now. Maybe they go more that direction because of this. I, I, I don't know, but uh, I know for fantasy purposes, that those were the kind of the names that were sticking out with these injuries that might benefit, I guess, the most out of it. Yeah, there's there's so many different ways it could go. Uh, and Sean Payton is a, definitely a creative coach when it comes to that thing. Maybe sometimes too creative, like with the taking Drew Brees out of the picture <laughs> in the red zone. Yeah. Uh, but it's, that's definitely something next week when I work on my uh, stat line column where I kind of look at that stuff and the player usage. Uh, definitely looking at, like you said, Latavius Murray. Is he on the field more? Does he get more carries? Uh, you know, how does this impact Ted Ginn, Jared Cook? Because, uh, yeah, we really, we really don't know. We know that Brees uh, throws all his passes to Kamari and Thomas and that they put up huge numbers, but this, this offense could look a little different 
uh, in addition to looking worse, uh, different in terms of how it kind of distributes the ball to players. Yeah, well, we may as well round up the quarterback news in the week. Uh, go to the Giants. Uh, I guess they call him Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. They're going to be going <laughs> his way. Eli now on the bench. I mean, early on, I was seeing, you know, Lattimore was getting some more looks. Obviously, Sterling Shepard, uh, you know, he was going through the concussion, all that stuff. But do the Giants receivers now benefit greatly with Jones in there? Yeah, Danny Dimes. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't I – lo- I love the nickname. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to make of the quarterback. Uh, he played pretty well in the preseason. Uh, his statistics, his preseason statistics were great. When I watched him, it was, you know, it was good for a rookie. I'll say that. Good for a rookie. Uh, that's kind of a backhanded compliment, if ever there was one. <laughs> uh, it was more, you know, he didn't show great, uh, great ability to, like, adapt to pressure. Uh, a lot of the yards were shorter passes, then had yards after the catch. So I didn't think he looked like, wow. And it wasn't like, you know, a Baker Mayfield where, like, the first time the guy steps onto the field, you're like, yep, this guy belongs. Uh, but that said, like, as someone who has Sterling Shepard in way too many leagues and has been very unhappy with that investment, I'm like, yeah, just, just give me any kind of change. I don't care. Trade for Taysom Hill and put him in a quarterback for all I care. Like, yeah. And it's, I, need, I need to see something different because right now it's only Barkley and tight end Ingram that really have had any value in that offense. Uh, and even even last season when Beckham was hurt for the final four weeks, uh, Shepard didn't do much until the final game. It was really still Barkley and Ingram. And I think, yeah, it's just kind of getting to the point in Eli Manning's career where unless you're like an Odell Beckham who is a Jones receiver, you're probably not going to put up fantasy stats with him. So, yeah, any change is a good one here. And I guess while we're in New York, we may as well go to the other side, the Jets down to their third-string quarterback, Luke Falk. I mean, I, I look at this team. There is some strange fantasy value in Robbie Anderson. I, I, I noticed a stat where, like, target production, one of these next-gen stats, he's been among the leaders in the last two weeks of actually being targeted for yards through the air. And I guess they've got to throw to somebody. So I guess if Robbie Anderson's out there, I, I say go for him. But, you know, it is a third-string quarterback throwing to him again this week. Yeah, the Jets are in an interesting situation now because we have, on the one hand, we have a third-string quarterback who was, I think, a sixth-round pick last year. Yeah. And that's terrible for fantasy production for you know anyone else in the offense. But the other thing we have, which is great for fantasy production, is that they're extremely predictable in where they send the ball. Robbie Anderson, like you said, is their only downfield receiver. He's going to account for, has been accounting, and will continue to account for a huge share of their downfield looks, their deep passes. So even if it's a bad quarterback throwing it to him, you at least know he's getting those opportunities. And then all the rest of their offense goes through Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder. Like, it's really the tight end Ryan Griffin has seen, like, two targets on, like, 120 snaps through two weeks. Uh, Demarius Thomas got hurt as soon as they put him out there, and none was out for the season. So we know where the ball is going. We don't know if it's going to pick up many yards. So I think you are looking, certainly with Bell and Crowder, where they're more valuable in PPR leagues. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think maybe people will give up on Robbie Anderson. And, you know, Falk didn't look terrible against the Browns on Monday. Uh, not that I would have high expectations. But, yeah, I think that maybe <laughs> yeah. those three guys can – survive that to have some kind of fantasy value uh, and then maybe get Sam Darnold back in week five or week six after their week four bye. 
And I think that's the thing people got to remember. Yeah, Darnold's got modeled. He's going to be out for the next couple of weeks here. But it's not a season-ending injury. We expect him back. But I see a lot of people dropping their Jets players now. They might want to hang on to him. Yeah, and the Jets had a week four bye anyway. So you kind of knew if yeah. you had their players that you were taking that taking that uh, bench, have, going to have to bench them early in the year. And I think, I mean, Mono is very, very unpredictable in their recovery. Like some people are fine within a week. For other people, symptoms linger for over a month. Uh, so, you know, whether he's the, his back at his best within the next few weeks, I don't know. But I would think by, you know, week six at the latest, he's at least getting ready to come back. Like he'll be back at some point in October. So, yeah, it's not it, – it seems like a long ways away now, but it, it's really not. There's a long season ahead. Once again, joined by Jerry Donabedian, rotowire.com. We're going to shift our focus now to the San Francisco 49ers backfield, putting up a lot of great production with Matt Breida, also Raheem Mozart, among the other names that are in that backfield. So, again, Jerry, if you're looking on the waiver wire, is it still Breida or Bust, or do you think Mozart's picking up steam as well? Well, I'm sticking with Breida. Uh, he didn't – he was unfortunate to not get touch any touchdowns against the Bengals. The only one of those three. Uh, but, you know, looking at it, he's still the main guy until Tevin Coleman comes back, which probably is going to be another couple weeks. And Jeff Wilson, the guy who got yep. the two touchdowns, he, got, he did get those goal line carries, but his, all, pretty much all of his other carries came at the very end of the game when they were up by whatever it was, 28 points or something. Uh, so he might might get those short yardage goal line carries, but other than a blowout situation, it doesn't really look like he's doing much else. And he was a guy who was promoted from the fastest squad earlier in the week. Uh, so I think it was frustrating to see Breda put up 120 yards and not get into the end zone. So I think that's still where the smart money's at. And then you know, followed by Mostert, I think both guys really could be playable. Probably more of like flex plays or you know. Maybe you are someone who just lost the running back to injury. They're not not guys I'm necessarily thrilled to have in my lineup because you do have that workload split. Uh, but on the other hand, what they're kind of they're slicing up a pretty big pie based on what we've seen from Kyle Shanahan running back production the past few years and his offense. He really finds a way to get the ball in those guys' hands in situations where they can be efficient. Up next, uh, let's go to Kansas City, where it almost seems like you can't go wrong with anyone on that offense except for Damian Williams. Uh, I am a disgruntled Williams owner right now. But on the wide receiver front there, it seems like you pick a receiver because you had Watkins week one, uh, Demarcus Robinson week two. Is Hardeman the next breakout in week three? Yeah, I actually think Hardeman might be the next breakout. I uh, hope so. <laughs> I was... Robinson, I mean, Robinson was fantastic last week. But he's, he's kind of, I mean, he's been around there for a while, and he got a lot of playing time last year. Uh, just the way that Andy Reid designs his offense has been, you know, that Hill, Kelsey, uh, to a lesser extent, Watkins, until Hill was hurt. Uh, and then the running backs are the guys he draws up plays for. Uh, so obviously last week we saw Demarcus Robinson with the Patrick, just kind of on the receiving end of the Patrick Mahomes magic. Uh, this week he's going to be facing a Ravens defense that is Earl Thomas guarding the back of the field at free safety instead of a Raiders defense that looked like it played the second quarter with like eight or nine guys out there. <laughs> I think it's going to be a little tougher matchup, and Reed's going to have to get more creative with some of the stuff in the short passing game. I think that's going to work more in favor of Watkins, Hardman, Kelsey uh, rather than Robinson. So, yeah, I think with, with Robinson. You know, I wouldn't totally shut him down because, yes, he's playing with Patrick Mahomes, but he's been playing with Mahomes for a long time and on the field a lot, and this was like 
really only his second big game, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Hardman, and Hardman also had a touchdown and also had a long game. Uh, I think Hardman is a guy who's more likely to be like a focal point of their game plan this week against Baltimore. Now that backfield. Uh, yeah, Damian Williams, I, I should have known it. it was Andy Reid. He doesn't like to run the ball. <laughs> he likes to throw them and do weird things with the running backs. But, you know, you got Damian Williams. He's dinged up. So is LaShawn McCoy. Is it Darwin Thompson time to pick him up? And maybe it's his time now in that backfield? Well, it's certainly time to at least keep an eye on it. It looks like neither McCoy nor Williams' injuries are serious. Um, especially Williams looks like it might just be like a, a bruise on his leg. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out more throughout the week when those injury reports come out. Uh, but yeah, I know if those, I mean, if those guys for whatever reason can't play, then Thompson would be really in a nice spot as, you know, the, basically the only guy left there for the chiefs, um, along with Daryl Williams, who's mostly a special teams player. Uh, in terms of like bigger picture beyond this week, I'm, I'm actually sticking with Damien Williams. Like I think, that he's not, you know, he's not a great runner, but like you said, Andy Reid is all about the passing game. Uh, and a lot of that value, that most of the value for the running backs that play under him either comes from A, catching passes, or B, scoring short touchdowns after the passing game moves them all the way downfield. And I think that Williams is the better receiver than McCoy, knows the offense better and is more reliable as a blocker. So that's going to keep him on the field. And kind of like we discussed with Hardman and Robinson, just being on the same field and on the same team as Patrick Mahomes is worth a lot right now. Going to shift things over to Dallas. and I mean, they've been putting up the points and the offensive yards and been good for fantasy. Uh, I, I guess to my surprise in the passing game, I didn't think it was going to be that much. But uh, Randall Cobb or uh, Smith right now with Gallup out, uh, which one do you lean in that one? I, I'm pretty, pretty neutral there. Um, I, I guess Cobb in PPR, uh, he's a slot guy, and they've been playing three wide receivers on the field almost all of the time. Uh, so Cobb is you know, he's getting way more playing time than the second tight end, Blake Jarwin. So he's pretty, pretty much a starter there. I know Devin Smith had the big touchdown against Washington last week, uh, but I think Cobb is going to be definitely the safer bet to at least have some level of involvement uh, and in a game like this week against Miami, where the, the Cowboys probably are going to get out to a big lead. I think most people can agree. Probably won't have to throw too much. I wouldn't be surprised to see Smith have like a total, total no-show performance. Granted, he's playing the Dolphins, so he could also have an 80-yard touchdown on the first snap. Uh, it can kind of go both ways. But I think Cobb and then also Jason Witten are going to be the more like reliable, like, hey, at least we know these guys are going to be a part of the game plan the Cowboys. Yeah, to ask you about Witten because I, at first coming into the season I thought, oh, this is a novelty thing. He's a leadership role, mentoring the younger guys. But no, the, the first two weeks he's got touchdowns. They're going to him. This isn't Jason Witten of old where he was in the top three of, of tight ends, but it sounds like he's a must-own guy now. Yeah, I don't, I'm not quite, not quite sure I'd put him in the must-own, but he's okay. definitely like on that tight end streaming radar like for you know, if you don't happen, if you ha- don't didn't happen to get on like Darren Waller, or Mark Andrews, or any of these breakout guys, and you're still like left shuffling through, uh, maybe like you know the the Jordan Reeds, or maybe frustrated with T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, that yeah, Witten is, and yeah, like you said, they uh, in the off season they said, oh, you know, we're gonna bring him back. He'll play like 25 snaps a game. And of course. Last week he plays three quarters of the snaps. He's up at like 45 snaps. So that was just. Clearly, uh, maybe had been the plan in the offseason, but then they got him in there and it's like, well, 
And the other options are Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz, and we like our chances making a deep playoff run this year. Are we, are we really going to keep Jason Witten on the bench if he's the best guy? Uh, the answer there is definitive no. Up next, I've got a fantasy strategy i got to pass along to you because I might be doing this myself, but I'm not sure. I want to get your advice on this. Do you hold two roster spots for defenses playing the Dolphins? So you got, got you got Dallas this week. You got the Chargers next week. If they're both available, do you grab them? Because those could be at least twenty point plus games for your defense. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's. I think it's a very reasonable strategy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't drop. Uh, a, you know, a wide receiver or running back who I really like. Probably. Um, but in, certainly, if you're off like an zero and two start, and you're like, you know, you're at the point, kind of like, hey, I need to really focus on getting wins, like that upside running back on my bench for the second half of the season. Like, no, we can't, mm-hmm. we can't afford to take that long term outlook. Like, at some point, I think you get off to a slow start. Uh, you have to really just focus on getting the win every week. Uh, no assumptions about being competitive later in the year. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a valid strategy. The Dolphins are are so bad that they kind of force you to reconsider uh, what is, you know, what our strategies are in fantasy football. Like, I don't think we've seen a team this bad in, certainly since I've been watching football yeah. since, the, like, since, like, the mid-'90s. Like, mm-hmm. I can't remember seeing anything, anything remotely like this. Like, even if they end up winning a game, I think they're going to probably set the record for worst point differential, uh, and they're not even hiding the fact that they're just totally <laughs> rebuilding. So... Yeah, I think it's. I don't think the Chargers in this are specifically are available in most leagues. Yeah. I, I actually looked because I had the same idea as you. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, if I can get if I can yeah. get those extra points, like I'm willing to willing to drop like whoever that last wide receiver or backup tight end on my bench is. Like I don't don't really need a backup tight end in a lot of cases anyway. Uh, so yeah, no, I think it's a I think it's a good strategy. I think. <laughs> I think the issue is that other people are going to realize it's a good strategy, and so there, you know, you might have to like use waiver priority, and then then it gets a little dicier for me in terms of whether it's worth using waiver priority or uh, bidding dollars for a, neck, a defense for the following week. And to note too, the Dolphins are on by week five. I mean, they're on by the whole year, but uh, week five is their <laughs> official off date. So. Yeah. That's when the strategy won't work. You can pick it up again week six, six and seven. Yeah, that's the. They do have one week to look forward to this year. <laughs> I mean, if you're in Miami, anyways, where else are you gonna go? I mean, I guess Mexico. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, they're already already basically uh, yeah. <laughs> perfect vacation spot. Yeah. So that was that was going through my mind, and I'm sure it's through others. But uh, look for that strategy in your league to see if that. Uh, week two hidden stat line. You work on this uh, for RotoWire.com. You got the article up. Give us a little sneak peek of what's in there this week. So basically, the idea with the article is trying to look at stuff that kind of goes beyond the box score. Uh, you know, stuff not just catches and yards and targets and touchdowns, uh, but looking at some of like the underlying use to see stuff that could be encouraging for future weeks and whether, you know, whether that guy who has a big breakout game is going to have a chance to sustain it or whether it was probably a one-time occurrence. Uh, so specifically a couple of the things that were really noteworthy this week was first and foremost, the, uh, the Ravens had Marquise Brown in that huge debut against the Dolphins where he had two long touchdowns. Uh, he only played like 14 snaps. And then this past week against the Chiefs, he played uh, 51 snaps, which was the most of any any player, uh, skill position player on the Ravens. 
besides the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, of course. Uh, so, you know, they, that kind of maybe to some degree was expected that after he had that huge breakout game, they'd get him on the field more often. And the fact they weren't playing the Dolphins, they were forced into a game. Where they actually needed yeah. their players after the first quarter. Uh, and beyond that, it was the fact that not only did he play all those snaps, but he drew 13 targets. The end result in terms of fantasy points wasn't nearly what we saw week one. What we did see was clear evidence that like he's their number one guy, that he's going to be on the field a lot. Uh, and then not only was he drawing a couple deep targets, but they used him a bunch of times on bubble screens, slants, short crossing routes. Like, so I think that maybe the perception was that this is a deep ball guy. He's going to be boomer bust, going to have some huge games, and then some weeks where he might go for zero points. Uh, and I think looking at how he was used in this past game, I think that's going to be not the case at all, actually. I think in those weeks where he doesn't connect on the deep ball, he's going to make up for it with some of those shorter catches. I'm not sure in terms of like intermediate areas of the field. He hasn't really shown that yet. It's pretty much been short or deep so far. Uh, but in PPR leagues, I think you don't mind that. You know, those, those quick screens are pretty much completed 90, 95% of the time. So even if he gets stopped for a one yard gain, that's a point, a point right yep. there. Right. You're getting your point and he'll have those deep chances where he can score 15 points or whatever, 13 points in one play. And he'll have those a couple of times throughout the year that connect. Uh, so I think you're really going to be getting like a floor and a ceiling here. And, you know, unless there's someone who's really an established guy in my lineup, like I'm trying to start Brown wherever I can at this point. All right. So again, check that out. Rotowire.com, the week two hidden stat line. Jerry works really hard on that. We're on to week three here. So let's get into some of the matchups you like. Uh, we'll start at running back. Uh, who do you like here going into week three? One guy I lo- absolutely love this week. Uh, and sticking with the steam here of basically any running back that faces the Bengals is Frank Gore. Uh, and as a, not only does he get to face a team that's allowed the second most fantasy points to running backs last year and it's allowed the most so far this year uh, with some really terrible linebackers over there in Cincinnati, but it looks like he might get some extra work. He had 21 touches, 19 carries last week, and Devin Singletary injured his hamstring in the fourth quarter of that Bills win over the Giants. Uh, so now it's looking it might like it might just be Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon. Uh, and in, even if Singletary does play, he was working behind Gore all through that game, which was pretty disappointing for me because it had kind of been the opposite in Week One. Uh, and so I was relying on Singletary a little bit in some uh, some DraftKings lineups. So he did he did end up with like sixty some yards and a touchdown at mm-hmm. least, but he, he barely touched the ball. It was just that he had two long runs. So, you know, Gore, Singletary might be the explosive. I think Gore is going to be like a safer guy to get double-digit carries every week. And uh, this week, those carries are extra valuable in a home game against Cincinnati. Is this where I have to do my public apology to the Bills offense, where I said there, there's no fantasy value at this team at all when we were doing our preseason stuff? Do I do, I do that now, or do, do I wait a couple weeks? Well, if you have to do it, then I have to do it. I know. I think I agreed with you. So let's just say, it's, let's just let's just wait. We can, you know, we'll maybe we'll circle back in a couple weeks. Yes. Uh, they have played the Jets, the Giants, and now the Bengals. Yeah. So certainly there is some fantasy value in the offense. I think John Brown especially mm-hmm. looks like he's going to be like very clearly the number one receiver, uh, and and Josh Allen just with those rushing stats. He's definitely uh, at least like a guy you can rotate with another quarterback in your starting lineup. So 
So I'll say there's some fantasy value, but okay. let's let's not get let's... too far ahead of ourselves until <laughs> they play a real football team. All right, good. That sounds good to me. <laughs> Any other running back matchups you like here uh, week three? I really like and This is a guy who I think people are going to be starting anyway after what happened last week. But Aaron Jones against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Broncos defense is just, you know, big disappointment this year. I think there was kind of some thought that maybe with uh, – you know, that obviously they weren't going to be like a, a high scoring team with Joe Flacco quarterback, but that with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Chris Harris, all these huge names, superstars on defense, that they'd be able to like compete for a wild card spot. Uh, and they don't have any sacks through two weeks. They've allowed 4.4 yards per carry. It, it just looks like it's not happening for them this year. And traveling to Green Bay against a hot Packers team, Aaron Jones coming off a huge game. I think it's just it's going to be one of those spots where they're able to feed Aaron Jones the ball. And if there's something we've learned with him, it's that whenever he gets the ball, he does well with it. The question is just a matter of whether the Packers will be in a position to give him the ball. And then if they are in that position, will they actually do it? Yeah. Uh, and LaFleur, LaFleur seems a little more committed to that than uh, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers were last year. So I think He's a guy, if you know, for any reason, like you have a stacked running back group and you're on the fence, like I, whoever it is you're comparing them to, I would, I would stick with Aaron Jones. I think there's going to be some, some maybe rocky days ahead because Jamal Williams does mix in with that offense and steal some of those targets, especially. Uh, but, but this isn't going to be one of those rocky days. Who are some of the wide receivers you like here in Week 3 matchups? I actually like two of the guys that we've talked about already, James Washington uh, and Marquise Brown. Those are two of my like favorite guys. Like I said, Marquise Brown is someone now that I'm starting pretty much anywhere I can. I think he's probably looking at like almost wide receiver two status. Uh, and then another guy, Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. Uh, just he's got an incredible matchup this week. He's this year. He's last year we saw him as more of like an outside deep ball receiver when they still had Doug Baldwin. This year we're seeing DK Metcalf basically doing what Lockett did, which also makes DK Metcalf very exciting. Uh, but Lockett, we saw in the slot last week against Pittsburgh, catch 10 balls, uh, working on shorter routes, which he's also capable of. And this week, he's just going to be getting another matchup where I think the Seahawks are just going to be able to throw a ton of short passes. The Saints have just gave up a huge game to slot receiver Cooper Cup. Uh, and then the week before that, struggled against Kenny Stills out of the slot with Houston. Uh, so I just, I just think that the, the Saints defense, that Chris Carson and Tyler Lockett are both going to be able to pick on them. If you're streaming a quarterback this week, which one do you have the most faith in, Jerry? I'm not sure there's any that I have a ton of faith <laughs> in, but one guy who I have more faith in than I normally would, two guys actually, Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins. I think it's going to be hard for people to pull the trigger on Kirk Cousins. Yes, it will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you're like a Vikings fan and you've had to watch the past two weeks. Yes, um, indeed. <laughs> but if it's ever going to happen, I don't think he's completely forgot how to play quarterback. I think mean, he's never been a, a top, top quarterback. But he was decent last year, and he was good when he was pretty good when he was in Washington. Uh, if it's ever going to happen, it should be this week against an Oakland team that so far has given up less than three yards per carry and nine and a half yards per pass attempt. Uh, kind of a surprise to see the Raiders defending the run well, but that's kind of been the, the one thing that they have done well so far this season. But I think the Vikings will see that, and I still think Dalvin Cook is the centerpiece because, of course, he is. Look what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to maybe emphasize the passing game a little more early on than we saw the past. Uh, and I think they're going to have some success with it. I think Adam Thielen and Stephen Diggs are two other guys who have great matchups this week. 
against an Oakland secondary that was bad even before I lost the starting safety to injury week one. I, I think that Cousins, if it's ever going to happen, like this is the perfect spot for it. And I think that Oakland offense is, you know, not not going to do a ton in Minnesota, but they'll they'll do just enough to keep it so it's not a total blowout. And the Cousins still doing at least a little bit of passing in the second half. It won't be like that Atlanta game we saw week one when he, what did he finish with, 10 pass attempts, I think it was? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> And, and on to Garoppolo too. I I did take him in a in a keeper league, just hoping the potential was there that he was going to rebound and maybe show some of the stuff that he did before he got hurt all of last year. And it's coming back, and and he's got that offense moving. And the uh, stats they're not lying here early on. I mean, he's he's proven himself, and I, I do like that pick this week. Yeah, he looked good last week against Cincinnati. I think with guys coming back from an ACL tear, it does take some time usually for them to get back to their best. Even after they're able to play, a lot of times you see it's not until later in the season. Uh, they really look like the, the player they were before again. So I'm a little hesitant, bigger picture of Garoppolo, but I just think this week against Pittsburgh, they've allowed 9.3 yards per pass attempt. We saw them get diced up by Wilson and Brady the past two weeks. Uh, Garoppolo isn't those guys, but he is a guy who's good enough to take advantage of obvious mistakes in the defense and the Steelers. Just look totally disjointed. Uh, a lot of you know, a lot of their big plays they gave up the last two weeks weren't necessarily guys getting beat. It was just that there was no one assigned. To, like the assignment was wrong. Like there was no one assigned to the receiver. They're basically just handing out free yards here. Uh, so then you know they did get they're bringing in Fitzpatrick, Minka Fitzpatrick safety. But who knows? Like if his you know first week in a defense is already like a mess thematically. Who knows if he'll be a starter, able to like play every snap type thing. Uh, so I think that until the Steelers like share some signs of having things figured out with like the coaching and scheme side of their defense, I think pretty much any kind of quarterback, wide receiver, tight end is going to be a solid play against them. Uh, and certainly with Garoppolo coming off that big week and now having some weapons to throw to with Debo Samuel and Marquise Goodwin emerging outside of George Kittle and the running back. I think it's going to be a really nice setup for him. And the one position that's always hard week in and week out to get production from, I think, tight end. Anyone out there that you like this week, uh, maybe that's available that you could pick up, and they might get you some good production this week. One guy we kind of briefly touched on earlier, Vance McDonald, uh, I think because he catches such short passes, he'll be a little bit less affected by the switch to a backup quarterback. Uh, and He did catch two touchdowns from Mason Rudolph. He's a guy who actually got dropped a lot after week one yeah. because he did nothing. And all those other, you know, Hawkinson and Andrews had big games. So people were, and Waller, people were rushing to pick up younger tight ends and dropped him. And now a lot of people have added him back because he just scored two touchdowns. Uh, but I think he's still out there in some leagues. Uh, and he's a guy who, yeah, I think will be a big part of this passing game. They haven't been using the other tight ends at all. Uh, McDonald has been playing basically all of the snaps. So I think he's going he's gonna to keep having those opportunities to be out there, and that the fact that he does get you know shorter, lower difficulty passes anyway, and is a big red zone threat, I think will set up well with the backup quarterback. Uh, another guy also sticking in the veteran category, to the extreme this time, uh, not quite as old as Frank Gore, but uh, Greg Olson with the Panthers, yep. and I I say that even knowing that Cam Newton has a foot injury that might keep him out. I think that you look at the Cardinals the first two weeks, they've given up 300 yards and three touchdowns to tight ends already, uh, which is more than half of the fantasy points they gave up all last year to tight ends. 
Uh, so then, you know, bringing in a new scheme this year, and generally they've looked actually a little better than most people expected, I think. But TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews completely destroyed them the last two weeks. Uh, and I think that, you know, with the possibly the backup quarterback coming in and Olsen coming off a 100-yard game, I think we're going to see him emphasize in that Carolina offense on some shorter passes. And I also think with the Cardinals playing up-tempo, we've seen that the other team gets a lot of extra snaps in. You know, you're looking at maybe 12 drives per game instead of 10 because the Cardinals have so many of those quick drives. Uh, and I just think that overall is good for everyone in the Carolina offense. Definitely some concern about either a hobbled Cam Newton or Kyle Allen starting. But I think for Olsen and Christian McCaffrey, I'm less worried. Probably concerns me more for someone like Curtis Samuel, who's relying on downfield accuracy to get his points. And finally, streaming defenses. Obviously, Dallas, I'm going to guess they're owned in 99% of the league since they're going against the Dolphins this week. But who are some of the other defenses you could be looking at this week? Yeah, sadly, Dallas and New England have uh, pretty much been picked up everywhere. Yep. Uh, they also had good matchups last week. Uh, so, I, yeah, I kind of already have trashed on the Broncos here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that and <laughs> say that in addition to Aaron Jones having a big game, I think the Packers' defense is in a really nice spot. And, uh, you know, not, not just on a matchup basis either. Like, the Packers' defense has looked really good. Uh, maybe some allowed the one big run to Dalvin Cook last week. But other than that, has been totally dominant in two division games in two weeks. I was a little skeptical of their off-season moves, all the money that they threw at Preston Smith, Darius Smith, uh, and Adrian Amos, the safety. But, I mean, it's paid off. Like, their pass rush is back. It's the best they've seen it since Clay Matthews was in his prime, uh, which was a long time ago. <laughs> so I think that, uh, yeah, the early results there have been really promising. They've got Jair Alexander, second-year cornerback, uh, just playing great, which he showed some signs of last year, but without the consistency. So I think that Packer defense is really going to have a good year and that this week especially home against Joe Flacco is just a perfect spot for them. Ah, you were waiting to pick on Joe. It's your obligatory uh, weekly uh, rip on Joe Flacco. There you go. Got it in. And I'm and I'm probably the, about the biggest Joe Flacco fan that there is. <laughs> As a Ravens fan, I I you know, I love what he what he did with the team in his earlier years and uh I, I imagine Giants fans have felt the same way. It was like Yes, you know, you, you did some good stuff for us, and we had some great seasons. Won a Super Bowl in Manning's case too, but it's like it's not really his fault that the team hung on to them for for years past they were <laughs> past when they were still effective. But at some point, as a fan, you're like, look, I don't dislike the player, but like I just don't want to watch this guy anymore. Like it ain't working. Let's get someone else new in there. Uh, and I guess the Giants Giants lag their feet even longer than the Ravens, but. Uh, yeah. It's coming this week, finally. And again, Jerry Donabedi and RotoWire.com joining us here as we get ready for week three. And again, I cannot express it enough. Go check out his stuff right now, RotoWire.com. Again, the week two hidden stat lines. You can really pick up some things in there, all right? So again, check that out. All the stuff Jerry does, fantastic. Again, at RotoWire.com. As we wish you best of luck here in week three. Again, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy as well. So, yeah, we'll look forward to interacting with you as well. Sit and start questions. We'll take them as well all the way up through Sunday. So we're there for you, right, at Draft That Guy. This is PJ wrapping it up. Another edition, Fantasy Football Zone. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at Draft That Guy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.